Hey everybody, this is Gordon in Austin. I just wanted to take a second to tell you about our sponsor, Bugfender. Bugfender is a tool for mobile developers that solves a pretty typical problem of having error reports that you're not able to reproduce. Ideally, you'd be able to check the bug with the user that has the issue, but of course they're going to be thousands of miles away. So what do you do? You use Bugfender. Bugfender is an SDK that you drop in your app and then you set it up with a single line of code. Then it sends all the application logs to the Bugfender servers so that you can check on any device remotely right from their website. It's super useful for early dev, beta testing, and even production apps. Bugfender unlocks the possibility of detecting errors earlier, assisting users that need support, and ultimately achieving excellent customer satisfaction. And we actually have a promo code for you. If you go to bugfender.com slash build phase, you can sign up for free. And then if you decide to upgrade to the paid tier, you'll end up getting a 20% discount just for being a listener. So that URL again is bugfender.com slash build phase. And thanks a lot to Bugfender for sponsoring today's episode. Nice tank top. Thank you. It is very hot here and I didn't have to go to the office today. So tank top day. Is that a standard outfit? Wait, you don't wear it to the office? Why not? I could, I guess. There's nothing. It feels, I don't know. It is my standard outfit. If I'm not if I'm not going into the office, odds are I'm going to wear a tank top because it is 150,000 degrees outside and I want as little fabric on me as possible. That's fair. Hey everybody, this is Gordon in Austin. And this is Mark in San Francisco. And this is Build Phase. What's up? How are things? Things are good. <laughs> you seem flustered, out, confused. Out of sorts. <laughs> out of sorts. Yeah, I kind, of, I kind of rushed into this and I was already doing like five things at once uh-huh. Uh-huh. before, so mm-hmm. I'm trying to like settle in. Sure. What's going on? You want to talk about it? <laughs> uh, no. It's just... <laughs> the crux of it is we have a lot of branches that need to converge today. And then right when we're about to start, this one person's like, okay, I'm going to rebase this. And I'm like, no, 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 don't, don't stop. Stop what you're doing. Don't do that. Don't touch the computer. Don't, don't ever touch the computer. Uh-huh. And I was like, I, I'll do this. <laughs> He's about to rewrite history on a branch that had like two feature branches off of it. Mm-hmm. And then those branches have branches. Mm-hmm. I've sucked. never seen that strategy work well. Like I really What's have. What's that? Branches off branches. Like Git only ever makes sense to me when there is a master branch and you are branching feature branches off master and merging them into master. You know what I mean? Like a very simple merge like branching uh, structure. Got it. I mean, it definitely works. You just oh, it, you, it you don't works. rewrite history unless it you're works. on like a yeah. a leaf. Uh, not like I under, I understand that it works. Like you can technically do it. What I mean by work, like when I when I say that I've never seen it work, I mean like long term, I've never seen it not end in disaster or just horrible pain. Hmm. Well, you don't like merge commits. Right, there's that. We do the Git flow thing, mm. mm-hmm. but not with like all the extra crap installed. Just sort of in spirit, like we have right. master, 
right and masters just where releases get merged and we have develop and then right now we have a branch off develop called ios 10 and then a branch off of that for separate features Mm -hmm. and it all needs to kind of like come together and so then the idea is that all those features get merged into ios 10 and then ios 10 gets merged into develop and then a release is cut by merging that into master correct yeah and it it's actually like more necessary this time because we're not ready to put develop onto Swift 2.3 yet. Mm-hmm. And so we're keeping that on Swift 2.2. And then we needed a separate branch where we first did the Swift migration and then could start writing features. Mm-hmm. How many people are on your team? Like five. how many, how many people, five people are like touching the code base at any given time, including an intern. Yeah. Four and a half. Four and a half. <laughs> it just seems like like that that always scares me like other people's git workflows scare me to death don't get me wrong that is what's contributing to the stress that i'm experiencing <laughs> right, right now and every day uh-huh it's like constantly being available and just like ready to pounce and like <laughs> step in to fix an issue right you know that gif of, of the guy on the cart at the football game who like yeah, 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 like yeah. It falls yeah, out of the yeah. cart, but the cart keeps going, and then the guy uh-huh. has to like run up alongside and hop in. Yeah, and That's it runs so, and it runs over like three people along the way. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. That's me. <laughs> Every office has that one git guy. Uh huh. Who's who's the guy running alongside the cart, <laughs> jumping in, and saving the day? But not before, like two or three people are seriously maimed. Right. <laughs> Sorry, I literally just got a relevant <laughs> question to this conversation as you were talking. <laughs> Messing up the timing of my jokes, man. My bad. <laughs> see, what do we what can we talk about today? I'm on vacation. I'm going to Houston tomorrow. I'm going to see three baseball games in a row. I'm very excited. That's awesome. I've never I got. Done that. Yeah, I haven't either. I'm really excited. I'm so I'm going to see the whole Astros Tampa Bay series. And my brother is going to join me for two of the games, and then I'm going to go to the other one just on my own, which I've never been to like a baseball game just by myself. So I'm actually super excited about that. I ended up buying, I got tickets behind the bullpen for Friday and Sunday. And then on Saturday night, Jose Altuve bobblehead night, I'm going to have seats right behind the Astros dugout, which is going to be very fun. They're like the most expensive tickets at Minute Maid Park, and they're like eighty dollars. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I'm super jealous. Yeah, I mean, you remember we went to that game at Fenway, and we paid seventy dollars a ticket, and those seats sucked. They're like the worst. <laughs> I don't even know how human beings fit in those seats. Tiny people, man. You you want evidence that like humans are getting larger? Go to mm-hmm. Fenway Park. Try to sit right. in a seat for nine minutes. Anything that wasn't built in the last 10 years, go sit in one of those seats. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. So since I'm on vacation, I'm trying to stay away from like work stuff. And I just been doing open source, which has been weird. I was fighting with precedence groups this morning. You were helping me a little. Right. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know how I feel about them to be honest. I think they're an improvement because obviously the number based system was very flawed. Yeah. And I think that being able to like 
declare them relative to one another is obviously an improvement, but it doesn't solve your problem. Right. Well, just so on runes in Argo is where I'm specifically what I'm looking at. And I like updated both of them to use precedence groups today. And it was kind of a pain in the neck getting the precedence groups laid out in a way that made sense and that also compiled the way I'd expect. Like with the number system, at least with the number system, it was easier for me to understand. Like I would, you would just edit a number and it would either compile or it wouldn't. But like the errors that pop up when you get the precedence groups wrong are so weird. It's like, so like the first thing I tried to do is that all the map and apply operators in runes, they're actually supposed to have the same precedence as the comparable operators, right? Greater than, less than, whatever. So I just reused that group in the, my first try. And then I created a new group for the monadic operators, or two new groups, but whatever. And another new group for the alternative operator. But then when I loaded those into Argo, set up that way, the errors you get are like really weird because the comparable stuff doesn't have an associativity set. So all of a sudden it started yelling at me about adjacent operators without associativity set cannot be like the errors it was giving me was like, I don't understand. Like I understood what the problem was, but it was so it was like at the same time too precise and not enough information. Like it was giving me a bunch of information about exactly what was wrong, but not super actionable information. Does that make sense? Uh, Yeah. Uh, So the less than greater than less than or equal to greater than or equal to operators, they use the default precedence, right? Right. It's, it's, it's called default precedence and there's no associativity. No, no, no. They have, there's a group called comparative precedence or something like that. But that group does not have an associativity. I don't believe so. I don't know that for sure, but I know that that's what, that's what the error made it sound like. And so when I reused that and tried chaining those operations like I'd expect, like I need to be able to do with those map and apply operators, it blew up because it didn't it couldn't do the associativity. So then I had to create a new associate like new groups for those. But then if you mix things like all of your operators have to be then defined in terms of one another. If they're not, then it blows up because it sees two groups that have an unrelated precedence. So like I had flat map defined, I had the monadic operators defined in terms of the logical comparison greater than the logical comparison, but then less than something else. I don't remember what it was, but I had them defined that way. And so they were kind of outside of the tree of, alternative and applicative, right? And so since they were outside of the tree, if you tried using them, if you tried using flat map alongside apply or map, then it still blew up. And it would just say, it would just say like adjacent operators from unrelated precedence groups. And it's like what the way you fix that error is to 
be explicit about precedence, right? And just add parens. But it, it felt like an opaque error that was like, if I hadn't just been defining these things, if I just saw these pop up without having implemented these precedences myself, if I just saw them pop up, it would have been, inc- I feel like it would have been incredibly confusing to me to know what the hell was going on. So it, in simple terms, if you have an expression that has like two distinct operators in it mm-hmm. and you use the first one, say it's from runes, and then you use another one, which is, say is in the standard library. Mm-hmm. If it can't directly walk from the precedence group of the first operator to the other one using like the higher than lower than, yeah. then it throws this error. Yeah. Got it. So you need like one chain of operators yeah. from like lowest precedence to highest precedence. Basically. You can't, yeah. you can't have like branching in it. Right. But that even means that if you intend, it feels weird to me because yeah, because yeah, like it seems like we're immediately going to have a branch in here somewhere. Right. Cause like the way, so the way I have it set up now, the monadic operators are kind of the base and I have them set where they are. And then everything builds off the monadic operators. So it goes monadic operators, except for that you can't have, there's basically no multiple inheritance for this stuff either. And there's no equals to, right? So we have some left associative monadic operators and some right associative monadic operators. And because, and you can't have precedence groups have an associativity. So now I need two different precedence groups, left monadic precedence and right monadic precedence. And then the next step in the chain is alternative and so all I can do is say this is greater than the, these or less than these, right? And if they're inside your module, you can't say that they're less than another one. You have to say it's greater than this other one. Like you can only use less than if it's something outside of your module, which seems arbitrary, but whatever. So then all of a sudden, I'm immediately left with a choice. Now I have to say, do I say that this is above the left monadic operators or the right monadic operators. And that's basically me saying, which of these do I think is going to be used more often? I don't even remember which I picked. I think I picked left because then everything is like left associative from that point on. But that immediate decision, so that means that if you use the right associative operator now inside a chain with applicative, it won't, it'll be an orphan, right? And it won't have any idea where this is in relation to these other you know what I mean? You'll so you'll see that error. Oh, and that's because the right associative precedence group is outside isn't of the tree. higher than or lower than the applicative group, right? Because it should be the same precedence as like it, it would be nice to be able to just say these are the same, right? This precedence is equal to this precedence, but there is no equals. Then you can only say higher or lower. So to get equality you basically just have to have the same higher and lower i guess as the other group i guess except for that again you can't do that for multiple things so like you you can only basically you're only going to be able to define that if you if you're defining a chain of operators like or a bunch of operators that need to relate to each other like we are it means that basically only that base is going to be locked down and then everything else after that is going to only be defined in terms of that chain and have no relationship. Like, so these, so like, let me pull up runes 
So yeah, so I have monadic precedence right, monadic precedence left. They're both lower than the logical disjunction precedence and higher than the assignment precedence. And then the right is right associative, the left is left associative. And then from that point on, everything is built on that left precedence. So it goes monadic precedence left, alternative precedence is higher than monadic precedence left, applicative precedence is higher than alternative precedence, and applicative sequence precedence is higher than applicative precedence. So there's five groups, but only four are actually in a chain. And they're all basically defined in terms of assignment is essentially what they're – they're, they're all kind of shoved between, between logical disjunction. Actually, they're not shoved between logical disjunction. Only monadic precedences. Everything else is just – all it knows is that it is higher than assignment. So it just starts with assignment and then everything builds up from that. Got it. it it seems like your highest precedence group needs to have a lower than to one of the standard library groups. Yeah, I guess to fit it like into that chain. I guess. Yeah, it's Maybe. not intuitive to be sure. It's not. It's not like again with numbers. I could look at the numbers and just say, "Where is this set?" Okay, I'll set it like just shy of that or just above that. You know what I mean? And I could just tweak that, and and it would take it wouldn't take as much research on my end. You know what I mean? Now I need to go, okay, where is each of these? And again, if they're like, I know where these are in terms of what they should be the same as it's harder for me to know where these things should be in relation to, Oh, just higher than this one or just lower than this one. That feels very imprecise. I know that like the applicative operators should be the same as the comparison operators, but I can't do that. There's no way for me to say, yeah, okay, it's higher than the monadic precedence, but then just make it equal to, like, I can't do multiple things like that. You know what I mean? Partially because there's no equal to. I don't know. It just, like, I kind of did it, and I think I got it to a place where it feels okay, but I just feel so uneasy about it, especially when I then try pulling it into another library like Argo that now needs to define its precedence based on the precedence defined inside runes. You know what I mean? I think so. Well, because now inside Argo, I have decode precedence, which is just set to be just higher than applicative precedence, applicative sequence precedence. So it's almost like just adding a sixth step in the chain basically it seems to me the problem is the standard library is going to have some group that it thinks is the highest and some group that it thinks is the lowest which means that every precedence group that we could define has to be either greater than the lowest in the standard library or lower than the highest and it has to be fully bounded you probably can't define a group that doesn't have a lower than and a higher than right like you you have to have both no, you can. That's the that's kind of the problem here is that it's very easy to define ones that don't, right? Like runes is compiling and only has lower than and higher than on monadic precedence because I know that that's where that needs to be. But then everything above that is like I'd have to do real research into figuring out 
and I need to, I guess I just need to do that, but like I need to do real research into figuring out exactly where, okay, I can say higher than monadic precedence left, but then I can't also say, I guess, would you want to do everything outside of like, is the answer here to not define anything in terms of your other? Yes, I think so. I think you have to def- like basically all of your precedences now mm-hmm. have to fit in the scope of what the standard library defines because it's going to have some group that is higher than and there's no other group that's higher than that one, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have one that's also higher than something mm-hmm. and not bound on an upper edge, mm-hmm. then what happens when you use like two operators from those two groups together? Then it's ambiguous. Right. right. And and we can't change how the standard library defines its groups. So we're kind of stuck. Like we have to define them relative to what the standard library gives us. I think. I think that's the problem. Is that all of our groups need to have a lower and a and a higher bound. And those lower and higher bounds need to be inside the standard lib. Maybe not. Maybe you could do some like in the middle that are relative to your own as long as at the end of the day, like on both sides, both of those mm-hmm. fold back into the range Got it. of precedence groups that the standard library defines. Got it. But then if those, if you don't do that, if you don't have some anchor for every precedence group inside the standard library, then you could like, it won't be able to fold it in. Right. So like if I say like alternative precedence, sorry, let's, let's say like, yeah, let's say alternative and applicative. If I only define those two, as being part of this chain, right? But then I put an upper bound on applicative sequence, which is like the highest point as far as runes is concerned. So then my lower bound becomes logical disjunction and my higher bound becomes whatever, right? But then if there are any other groups inside that range between logical disjunction and whatever I define as the higher upper bound for applicative sequence then I'm left with ambiguity for everything in between there for alternative and applicative. But I, I think in the case of ambiguity, that's where the associativity comes in. And then it's literally just like, how is it laid out? I'm going to use the associativity to figure out what comes first. Well, I don't think so, man. I think that, I think that it will error. I think that it'll straight up error and say, I don't know how these two relate to each other. And then you have to fix that yourself by using parentheses. Because like if I have two things that are both left associative, but it doesn't know what the precedence is, and they're basically chained together, right? Four plus two minus three. And both those things are left associative. Or they don't have associations. But let's let's pretend that those are both less left associative and are ambiguous in terms of each other what the precedence should be okay i i think are you saying that you think the associativity can only apply to operators within the same group and not between no. groups that just happen to have the same bounds no i think i think the associativity is just the associativity right what side does it grab first i'm saying it's it's different than the precedence it's like what side is it going to grab from but like i don't think that that makes it like first in first out kind of a thing. I guess I see it as like 
two sort descriptors, right? The president's mm-hmm. group kind of roughly lays you out. And then within, like within those bounds of a group or across groups, if they happen to share the same bounds, then it, it uses the associativity to figure out what comes first. Hmm. I, yeah. At least that's in my mind, that's, it seems like how it should work. Yeah. Syntactically, I don't actually know. <laughs> I'm tempted to experiment with just not defining anything in terms of itself. Like, remove all references to the groups defined inside runes from the groups defined inside runes, right? So that alternative precedence becomes defined only in terms of where it lies inside the standard library. Are you saying reusing the groups that exist? No, 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 no. I'm saying like still define alternative precedence, but instead of saying that alternative precedence is higher than monadic precedence, saying that alternative precedence is higher than assignment precedence, but lower than comparison precedence. So all your higher thans and lower thans will reference the standard library groups and not your Right, right. That makes sense. That'd be the first thing I'd try. I mean, this compiles, right? But I'm just, I'm worried about the impact that this will have if I get this wrong. Right, because there could be some combination of operators that you just haven't tested. Right. Very easily that could happen. And I'm worried about shipping something like this and it being wrong and needing to redo this and then introducing breaking changes into people's code. Like this feels important to get right. You know what I mean? We did this before, right? Inside runes, runes redefined its precedences. And it's a breaking change, right? And, you know, I've talked on the show, like we've talked a lot about whatever, just make the breaking change when you need to make the breaking change and bump the version number. And like I could do that, but it feels like I have the opportunity to just get it. I'm inclined to try to just get it right the first time. Yeah. And there's enough there's enough ambiguity here about what the right answer is about how to define these things. Maybe it's worth your time to um, find a huge set of projects that use runes and try to try to build them against your Uh copy of runes to see if these changes you've made hold across like a shit ton of uh, projects. Yeah. So part of the problem is that that would involve most projects that are using runes don't know that they're using runes. They're using Argo is my bet. And so it involve a pretty extensive upgrade because nothing, nothing that we've done has been in Swift three yet. So like none of the projects that I have on hand that we've worked on are set up for Swift three. You know what I mean? I mean, then maybe in that case, you just push your Swift through branch and you contact some authors and you go, hey, try this and make it file issues if it doesn't work. Right. Yeah, it's sketchy. It just feels so like shot in the dark kind of stuff. Like right now, anyway, like uh, there's definitely a way out here, but it bothers me. It also drives me crazy because I don't know where to put the colon in this. <laughs> like I've gone back and forth on this because everything else is like, this is stupid nitpicky style stuff, but like everything else is like, Oh, the put the colon right up against this feels like inheritance, right? That the map operator essentially inherits from applicative precedence. Yeah. So the new syntax where you go like infix operator and then the operator and then you do colon and then the precedence group. But like 
putting the colon right up against the operator almost makes it look like the operator has a colon in it. Mm-hmm. But then putting a space is makes it makes you have an existential crisis. Yeah, because it because <laughs> it's different from all the other places I use colons in Swift. It's very sure. annoying. Yeah, very very it's- annoying. What if we just stay on Swift two forever? Um, <laughs> or just skip down? Swift three, let them figure this stuff out and jump on Swift four. That upgrade probably won't be that bad, right? Swift two to Swift four. Oh, that'd be horrific. <laughs> I imagine three to four would be is going to be another bad one. Uh, two to two to three is rough. This is bad. This is really really like I keep working on these open source projects and just trying to maintain the differences like the changes between and i'm not even doing it on like a big application i'm only dealing with these fairly small libraries and it's been exhausting keeping up with the changes as they're coming in because they've been so extensive and it's like changes for swift and then also these wacky changes to support new versions of xcode you know, like the Swift version stuff where it's like, oh, well, how do we support people were doing like, oh, well, we can support Swift 2 and Swift 3 in the same lib. It's like, hey, that's great. And then Xcode's like, no, choose now. You have to choose. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I guess you'd need more targets. There's probably no way of getting around. That. Right. Which great. I've already got eight you know yeah. well <laughs> that's what actually, i seven maybe you could, seven. maybe you could use configurations instead of targets yeah where you just flip the swift version yeah and ha- put all that stuff in xc configs instead Ugh. yeah well, I, I would always i would much rather have all that all that shit in a text file than oh yeah me too it, file. I, i'm coming around on xc configs did i tell you about did i talk to you about my experiments with just generating the project for Curry through Swift Package Manager? I don't think so. What did you do? Well, I have a branch. I don't even think I pushed it. Oh, I guess, I mean, I must have pushed it. I don't remember if I opened a PR. I have a branch where I just deleted the Xcode project from Curry and instead just used the one that's generated through uh, Swift Project Manager or Swift Package Manager Generate Xcode Project. And it, it works really well. It actually creates a project set up to build a universal framework. Not a universal framework, but you know where it uses like it has all the settings so that it can build for any platform. Mm-hmm. And like an aggregate target. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it, it's great, except <laughs> except that the project is immediately dirtied when you open it with Xcode. So that's frustrating. And then you also need to, like, I actually needed to go in and change some stuff, like set the extension API stuff and lower the deployment target because it just picks the highest deployment target. It's very dumb the way it does this stuff. And I did all that in the XC config that it generates, but then if you rerun the command, it blows away the XC config. So it's just like, oh, that's frustrating. Like, it's just not... I was ho- I was really hoping that I could just get rid of the Xcode project, build for for testing and stuff like when I'm working on it, like just build with, you know, Vim essentially, build it with Xcode build or build it with Swift build rather, 
and um, leave the project up there just for Carthage support, which will work. It'll it'll Carthage will build all the versions of that framework. But there were enough there are enough annoyances around like the XC configs getting blown out and that stuff that I'm not sure if I'm going to keep it. Yeah, it sounds like SPM needs the concept of like project templates that aren't XE configs. Yeah. That has it's not tied to Xcode at all, but it's yeah. specify in in Swift like project settings. Yeah. I think Swift package manager unfortunately I just don't think is going to be a thing for me for the foreseeable future. It just needs a lot of work. I don't know how much you've played with it. Not at all. Yeah. But I did recently read a post on the mailing list that said right. it's basically not going to be usable right. for iOS developers for 3.0. Right. But it's worse than that, right? Because like I can't really... Can I? Maybe I can use it for Argo now, but I can't use it for like Argo's tests. And I can't use it for Rune's tests. Why? Because for runes, there's so there's a test dependencies key inside the project or inside the package.swift, the package manifest that you can set, but it's it's ignored. It's completely ignored. So you set it, but it does nothing. So we have a dependency on Swift check for our tests and runes, but it never downloads Swift check. There's no way to get it to download Swift check. So it just won't do it. And then even if there was, right now we need to point at a branch of Swift check, and you can't do that at all. So it's like, that's very frustrating. And then for Argo, we can't because it doesn't have any idea of, like, resources. Like, I can't bundle, like, we have a bunch of JSON, a test JSON files that need to be built and grabbed and decoded and all that stuff. And we can't include them in the test bundle at all. You can only build source files in the test bundle. Pretty sure that's true. I could be wrong on that one. It seems like a huge oversight. Not yeah. Not being able to have fixtures. Or test dependencies. It, yeah, that too. <laughs> I mean, I agree. It's very frustrating to me. Yeah. Test dependencies doesn't surprise me. Because Apple being Apple, they'll be like, well, you have XC test. But, but this is this is even... I mean, even... Oh, that's right. So Argo actually still can't because it needs curry in its tests. But I don't want to define that as an actual dependency because it isn't a dependency. But then that test dependency thing will be ignored. You know what I mean? So it's going to run into the same problem, even if I did try pulling Argo over. You know, I, I mean, not to get all downer on this, but like someone did, I did see someone just saying like, look, I really love Swift, but the tooling is just so not there yet that I don't know what to do about it. Like someone said something like that on Twitter and that very much like encapsulates how I've felt recently where it's just like this language is great and I really enjoy working in it, but the tooling has just been so bad recently, especially recently that like, I don't know. It ruins a lot of the language for me. I wonder if, um, Developers using Linux and writing web apps in Swift have a better time than we do. I can't imagine they do. <laughs> I mean, they've got to rewrite their whole fake foundation now, right? Because foundation gets imported differently in Swift. Yeah, but isn't that mostly done? 
I don't know. Maybe. There was a lot done last time I looked. But like removing all the prefixes and stuff and and changing the names of all of the functions that get pulled in with that different heuristic. You know what I mean? But that's not part of foundation, right? Doesn't that happen in Swift when the APIs get imported? Or no, I, I guess this is but, Swift foundation, so. Right. My understanding is that there's still a mismatch. Now there is. Between like Swift 3, foundation and foundation, Swift foundation, right? And Cocoa Foundation after it's being imported with Swift 3. Yeah, I see some pull requests here. They're like, drop the NS prefix. Right. From, yeah. I mean, it's not that big, but it's also pretty it's big. just changing a class name. I mean, that, that one isn't dropping the prefix, but doing all the like little bitty things, right? Like removing redundant phrasing, moving labeling inside. You know what I mean? There's, there's enough stuff in there that isn't regexable. Which isn't a word, but whatever. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's enough stuff inside that renaming that isn't just find and replace. And I don't. How would you write tests for this? Like, how would you be sure that you? How would you ever be sure that you got all of the API? Yeah, good point. <laughs> I guess I you could compare like generated headers to what mm. you get from Apple Foundation. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I tell you that we are fully off of using Carthage for building. Yeah, so you're using it as like Git submodules. Yep, now it's just a decent dependency resolver <laughs> and a wrapper around submodules. <laughs> are you, are you actually using submodules with it or are you just having it pull them in? No, they come in as submodules. Okay. Oh, you mean instead of just like doing checkouts and not yeah. building? Yeah. Yeah, right. What do you gain by having them actually be submodules, I guess? I guess you um, could jump in the repo, the subrepo, the submodule, that, and like make changes and push those changes up. That has been really nice, actually. I was doing yeah. that yesterday. Mm-hmm. And the reason we originally did this is because there's an incompatibility between Xcode 8 and Carthage. There's something about the Carthage copy framework script that is precluding Xcode's build process from putting, I think it's moving Swift support into the right place. Mm. <laughs> that seems into, your, into your build product. And someone had like a workaround script where you like you do more scripting on top of what copy frameworks is doing. And I realized mm-hmm. I'm like, this is just bull crap. I don't want to do any of this. Mm-hmm. So we switched to the submodules approach. I found that it doesn't build any slower. In some cases it builds faster right. because Xcode can parallelize like building all this stuff. Whereas Carthage is like necessarily single threaded mm-hmm. in like invoking Xcode build. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that's Xcode build. I don't know. I mean, it it hasn't affected anything and like not having to worry about, you know, binaries that are not compatible with the version of Swift you're building for. Yep. It's been really, really nice, like reliable debugging, being able to work across multiple projects. I don't hate it. Yeah. That's basically what we were doing in Argo and stuff, but I ended up removing that. I might try that on my next project. Just using it because it is a decent wrapper for submodules, like a nice semantic way to like instead of just arbitrarily having to know that it's pinned to some version. Yeah, being able to semantically say this tag right or this ver- this range of versions and that kind of a thing. The one thing that annoys me, and this is super minor, is that the project has framework dependencies, and that framework has other dependencies that are all internal. 
And the framework uses Carthage in a conventional way where it lets Carthage check it out and build it. And the build framework sits in, you know, Carthage slash build slash iOS. So the framework has to have project directory Carthage build iOS in its framework search paths to be able to link its dependencies. Mm-hmm. Now, when we pull them in with submodules and put the project as a subproject and build everything, I get warnings. I get warnings about a, the fact that you know Carthage build iOS doesn't exist because we're not building. Right. That's actually for what it's worth. That is why we used workspaces like for frameworks. That's why we did that for so long, and that's why we still do it. Right. That's why we've been like Argo is set up not by like it doesn't point at frameworks it has a workspace with the other projects pulled in specifically because if you don't use carthage and don't use cocopods to build those projects like for people that were trying to integrate argo using submodules it was causing them a lot of grief that kind of same stuff and so like we as framework maintainers said okay well the the sad reality of iOS development is that there are plenty of people still using submodules as a dependency management solution. So we need to make an effort to support that to the best of our abilities. And that meant not using built frameworks from Carthage. So how does Argo link RINs? Or it doesn't? It, it does. It uses the implicit dependency by having it in the same workspace. Okay, and... It- if I'm setting up Argo for development uh-huh. and I run your setup script, is it running Carthage and use submodules or just uh, no what build? What does it do right now? I think I think I disabled some like it's not actually using submodules anymore. It's just using Carthage. So bin's bin setup does bootstrap, no build, no use binaries. And then you just have the projects in a workspace or Correct. as like sub projects. Correct. No workspace, not sub projects, because that would break Carthage still. Or it wouldn't break Carthage, but it would still break submodules. Like if you want to pull in just Argo, you should be able to just pull the Argo project into your workspace. You know what I mean? Because then you use projects as dependencies. So if I want to use Argo and I need to pull in Argo into my workspace and runes into my workspace, and then it all link properly because they'll okay. be in the same workspace. So I think that situation is a little unique because like, Let's assume that Argo actually depended on runes and it wasn't. It does. Okay. Then how can Argo act possibly work without runes? Like in what situation would I be like, I just want this. It can't. What I'm saying is that, well, I guess, okay, I see what you're saying. So in that case, yeah, because of that, I could link it in as a sub project and then pulling in Argo would also pull in runes, but it would mean that, when you pull down Argo, you also have to pull down the Carthage. I would need submodules for that. And you would need to recursively pull that in. And that gets messy, I think. I think, personally. Because, because that runes project would need to live inside Carthage checkout. Right? Like, if I, if I have Argo as my project, and I want to bring in runes as a sub-project of the Argo project, then that runes project needs to live in a consistent place which means that it needs to be in Carthage checkout. But if you want Argo and runes, you should be able to pull those in separately without having a duplicate of runes. Does that make okay, sense? That, that makes sense. And 
And so when Carthage comes across a workspace, what does it do? The way Carthage works is it looks for the first project it can find, and then it builds that all the schemes that build frameworks through the workspace that it finds. So if it finds a workspace, it, so it will find a project, in this case Argo, right? It'll find the Argo.xcode proj. It'll see the Argo, iOS, Mac, watchOS, tvOS schemes. And then it will see the Argo workspace. So we'll open up that workspace and build those schemes through the workspace, which means that when it opens up that workspace, it will also get runes in there as well. And curry, for that matter. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, next question. So <laughs> let's assume now that in my project, I want to pull in Argo. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We already pull everything in using submodules. And I pull in Argo with submodules. Do I get runes? So runes is listed as a dependency. So you would need to add Argo as a submodule and runes as a submodule. And then you would pull the Argo project into your workspace and the runes project into your workspace and it, you'd be fine. Okay. So it is like flattening it for you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Right. And that's just because there's no concept of dependencies in submodules without recursive submodules, which again, I'm trying to avoid those because they've caused us so many problems with CocoaPods and because they wouldn't work at all with Swift Package Manager. That makes sense. All right. So I might have to update some of our dependencies to use that approach. Workspaces, just bare checkouts. It is the cleanest way to do it, to be honest. Because we kind of went through a bunch of different things here trying to find a nice way to do this. And this is basically the cleanest way we could find to support all three dependency management solutions all three major dependency management solutions with minimal fuss across the board. I don't know why I didn't think of that. That's a good idea. I guess my... No, no, that would work. (laughs) I thought I was going to have a question about dependency resolution doing that, but that would be fine. Yeah. Cool. Should we wrap it up? Yeah, I think we should wrap it up. Cool. Show notes for this episode are going to be found at buildphase.fm slash 105. As always, we'd like to hear from you, so email us at hosts at buildphase.fm or reach out on Twitter at buildphase. And we really appreciate ratings and reviews on iTunes. Cool. Talk to you later. Yep. Later, man. See you.